Presented by Kamiuk Ukulele Magazine, this is Ukulele Stories. This episode is brought to you by the Andrew Molina Ukulele Academy. Hey, do you want to evolve as a ukulele player? Andrew Molina is here to show you how. Having developed his musical abilities over 16 years, the Hawaiian virtuoso is on a mission to reinvent the way the instrument is taught. At the Andrew Molina Ukulele Academy, you'll learn how to work smarter, not harder, so you can improvise better, elevate your fretboard confidence, train your ear, and get the most out of your playing, regardless of your current skill level. There are three membership tiers, Basic, Elite, and Prestige, and the monthly online subscription comes with a 10-day money-back guarantee for total peace of mind. Head to andrewmolinaukulele.com today and meet your new ukulele life coach. Hey, it's Cameron Murray here with another episode of Ukulele Stories. When I first met Brittany Piver in Hawaii more than 15 years ago, I was struck by her fresh and exciting approach to the instrument. She had recently released her debut album, Brittany Times 3, and had been named Most Promising Artist at the Hoku Awards. She since performed with guitar legends Carlos Santana and Tommy Emmanuel, and has really come into her own over the past few years. We had a fun chat, and I hope you enjoy it. Aloha, Brittany Piver! Aloha. Well, thank you very much for joining me. Um, I was We were just talking off air about the, the last time we properly met, and I think it was after you had released your first album, so many years yeah. ago. I'm thinking probably 2006-ish. <laughs> um, I have a terrible memory. I think my first album came out in, um, I want to say 2004. So yeah, it was right. quite some time ago. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it was 2005. I don't know. Anyway, um, it was uh, in Hilo because my family, so my parents and my brother and I were in Kona and uh, we'd rented a car and then I found out you were playing in a theater in Hilo. And so I was like, well, we got to go. So we all jumped in this car and went up this like road I've never been up in the dark and finally <laughs> found the theater and it was fantastic, you know, to see you live. And, and that was a very... Exciting time in the early 2000s and mid 2000s for ukulele because it was also so new, wasn't it? And everyone like James was coming up and you and mm-hmm. lots of people. So it was an amazing time to to be in the scene. Yeah, it really was. Well, let's go back to where it all started then, which was actually the piano with you. Yes, actually. So yeah, I, I played um, the pianos. I sort of started playing the piano when I was about three years old. I was classically trained all the way until I was about 11 years old, and my grandfather gave me my first ukulele, and it was actually his mother's um, uh, Kamaka Soprano from the 1950s. So um, just being able to like, you know, pick that up at 11 years old, and like I knew from the first moment I picked it up that that was going to be something that I wanted to continue. So I convinced my parents and my grandparents to let me stop taking piano lessons and focus on ukulele and at first they were you know not too happy about that you know from a logical point of view but (laughs) so I convinced them and they they signed me up for ukulele lessons and after two years of that I told them you know I want to stop taking lessons because I don't feel like I'm being challenged enough so I stopped taking ukulele lessons and continued teaching myself and I felt like I was very much capable of learning on my own because of my piano background so, yeah, after two years of ukulele lessons, and I just kind of went off and did my own thing. And um, how I kind of got into the ukulele professionally, I was watching the Hoku Awards on TV one year, and I told myself, I really want to be there one day winning an award for ukulele. 
so that same year, I had the opportunity to go to the studio and record what was supposed to be a demo record. And, you know, at the time, in the early 2000s, there were still, you know, labels around and, you know, people who can help you record and get out there. And so that was my intent for going into the studio. Um, but it, it ended up turning into a whole, you know, full-length album. I think I had 14 tracks on that first album. Yeah, so it just, you know, got out there and uh, I submitted it to the Hoku's, you know, for it's it's judged by our peers. So Yeah, which is like the Hawaiian Grammys. Yeah, yeah, very much so. So, um, yeah, the following year after, you know, the year before watching the awards on TV, I was there winning Most Promising Artist of the Year. So I I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life, I think. (laughs) Incredible. Going back to when you were 11 then, when you first saw the uke or uh, you heard it played, I guess your, did your grandparents play it? What actually first attracted you to it? Um, you know, I'm, I'm actually not really sure. I just felt this sort of draw to it from my soul or my subconscious. It's just sort of draw to it. And my grandpa played a little bit. Um, he didn't, or he, he, does, he doesn't, and he never did really play on a professional level. So, um... But his mom played and sang, you know, when she was alive. So, yeah, I guess that was something that he just, you know, gave to me to try and see if I liked it. And I liked it. So, yeah, I just continued. Were your uh, parents musical as well? My mom actually took ukulele lessons in elementary school. My dad, he loved music, but he didn't he didn't sing or play. Um, I do have cousins and uncles also on my dad's side that uh, sing and play as well. So I guess there is a little bit of uh, family history with music, but none that, you know, was able to really take it very far. So, yeah. Well, with all that early success, you were something of a child prodigy, even though, you know, I know you're, what, 17, I guess. Um, (laughs) What impact did that experience have on you? And do you have any regrets about that time? I don't think I have any regrets, really. Besides, I think, one regret that maybe a lot of people have, and that's, you know, not being in the moment, you know, not living in the moment or living in the present. And I think that's, that's the only regret that I have. But it was really good for me to have that career and that start, you know, at that age. It kind of forced me to think and be more mature than, you know, kids my own age. So I think like that really helped set me up for now where, you know, I'm managing myself. I composed you know, everything myself. I record everything myself and do all of the business stuff on my own as well. So yeah, I think having that, that sort of experience at that age, like it, you know, being young and being able to learn things really quickly, it it was a really good thing for me, I think. How do you uh, try to live more in the moment now? Do you uh, meditate or do anything uh, differently? Uh, definitely. I try to do meditation at least a few times a day. I can be very easily wrapped up in my work. So I could, you know, sit here in front of the computer and hyper focus on a song until the next day, you know, so I need to be really aware of that. And, you know, I, I actually do go to therapy too to help me learn how to turn my mind off. And my mind just on a daily basis just goes and goes and goes. And then when it comes time to sleep at night I can't because it's you know still working so yeah so there's a lot of things that I do uh to you know take care of myself my mental health and just be able to stay grounded and try to live in the present 
You also majored in music theory and arranging it at the uh, Berklee College of Music. Uh, how did that sort of influence your your path? Uh, well, so I did my uh, my certificate programs online from uh, Berkeley's online program. At the time, I didn't, you know, while I was doing the classes, I I didn't feel like there was a lot that I understood at that moment, just because it's on a whole different level, you know, of, of music and thinking. So, but I, I decided to, you know, keep going through with it because I knew that in the future, you know, even though I might not understand something right now, I'll understand it later. And now I've been able to put all of that stuff that I learned into practice. And that's kind of something that I, you know, tell my students as well. You know, if you go to, you know, ukulele workshops or music workshops, whatever, if you go to those things and you don't quite understand something now, don't dismiss it. Don't, you know, forget about it. Keep it in the back of your mind. And in the future, it's going to be applied and you're going to understand. That's a good, good tip. Where do you find uh, your inspiration now? Gosh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, hard to, it's hard not to find inspiration. I was actually having a conversation with one of my really good friends, uh, Ryan Code, the other day, and he was asking, you know, what do you, like, do you listen to ukulele music at all? And I actually thought about it, and I, I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, aside from, you know, seeing what I see on social media and things like that, I don't actually sit down and listen to ukulele music. I listen to everything else. And I guess the reason for that is when you get so wrapped up in ukulele, you kind of think only in terms of ukulele. And I don't want to think only in terms of ukulele. So I, that's why I listen to everything else. So my inspirations come from uh, electronic music. I'm a really huge trance fan. Lots of jazz, uh, guitar rock, progressive rock, like Rush and Yes, and all of those types of obscure music. <laughs> well, that's great. That's fantastic. Have you got a, a favorite artist at the moment? I, I really have a hard time pinpointing one favorite. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair enough. I'm the same. I mean, it's just, there's too much, isn't there? It's, yeah, it depends what mood you're in. It depends on so many other factors. Right, right. Yeah, it's really a terrible question, to be honest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about songwriting and composing then? How do you go about doing that? Do you have a set routine or is it uh, more of an organic thing? What works for you? Because I know it's different for everybody. Um, it actually really depends, you know, what I'm writing, if I'm writing with someone else or if there's lyrics, um, it, it really depends. Uh, so if I'm writing something for my own solo project, uh, an instrumental ukulele piece, I'll typically start with like a rhythm, like a rhythm vibe. So if I have this sort of drum beat or anything that's rhythm like that, I'll put that down first and then I'll go through the different chord progression ideas that I have in my head and, you know, like I said earlier, how my brain never shuts off. These are all things that I'm, you know, taking mental notes of throughout the course of my day. And I'll have to, you know, just kind of go through all those progressions that I think of and figure out what works with that rhythm that I feel at that moment. Um, and then it just kind of builds from there. If I'm writing with someone who has lyrics for a song, then I'll have them send me their lyrics first. And then I'll draw, I'll kind of interpret what their lyrics are musically. Because I want to be able to convey, you know, have everything about the song, uh, the music of the song, to convey what the lyrics are saying. Yeah, so I'll have them send the lyrics first, and then I'll write the music around the feel of the lyrics, or whatever I can draw for it. Yeah, so I guess those are like the two main concepts that I have when I write music. 
or at least ways that I write music. Do you uh, often collaborate with other people with uh, them sending you music and or lyrics? Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I I love collaborating. I actually really love sitting down and producing music. So even if I'm not necessarily, you know, playing ukulele on it, but I'm playing everything else or producing, you know, beats around it. Yeah. I just love doing all that nerdy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's all good fun stuff. And and it's become much more sort of democratized now, hasn't it? Because, you know, when you started your I guess when you you recorded your first album, it would have been in the studio and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's all kind of stuff you couldn't do at home, but now you can. Right. Yeah. And it's a lot more affordable, too. And the fact that everything is so accessible now, it's really easy to get a really good sound from a home studio. And it's just a matter of learning how to place your mics in front of your instrument how to make your room sound so that it's not going to be echoey or sound too weird. Yeah, it's it's just a little bit of knowledge and really affordable equipment, and you can get something pretty good. Yeah. Have you done any study in that area, or has it all just been self-learned? All of it is self-learned. So I spent the last, uh, I want to say, 10 or 11 years learning from other producers, asking them questions, watching YouTube tutorials, watching, you know, these sort of free stuff that you can find online about producing and how to set up your studio, why why your mic matters less than your room, you know? So, yes, yeah, it's, it's all just stuff that I read and watched and asked along the way, I guess. <laughs> Trial and error. You've been sponsored by Kamaka for a long time. What, what gear do you currently use? So I, I've actually been playing um, my Anui Anui UT5K and UT3K. And I love those ukes. They're spectacular. Um, so for gear, I use the Boss ME70. And it's primarily a guitar effect board, but I only use the looping function because the expression pedal that's, on, that's, that's equipped on the board can actually control the volume of your input and your loop separately. So um, for some of the songs that I do, like Lights, for example, um, I like to fade the loop out and still kind of do like an arpeggiated thing you know, as the ending of a song. So I want to be able to have that control of turning my volume down on the loop and keep my uke volume at full. So, yeah, that's why I use that. And then I also use the Venue DI, uh, the LR Bags Venue DI. And that, for me, is a staple to be able to shape my sound to how I want it on stage. You were the, maybe the first uke player I ever saw loop live. And it's become quite popular. Mm-hmm. Do you think you uh, had anything to do with that? Maybe you influence people? Uh, definitely. I think when I first started when I first started looping, there was nobody else here that looped. And so I would like to take credit for everybody starting. I think you it. should. Why not? <laughs> I will. I will. I'm giving you the chance. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take credit for that. <laughs> and does that still play a big part? Obviously it does, I guess, in your live shows. Absolutely. I love to be creative on stage, um and I performed at a wedding, actually, about, talking about being creative. I performed at a wedding on the Big Island uh, about two months ago. And it was like an hour time slot. And I just decided to, you know, everybody's drinking. Everybody's having a lot of fun. So I'm going to practice and just come up with random loop stuff. So I ended up playing like four, four or five different songs I've never played before. And that was literally the first time I ever made a loop for them. <laughs> well, they got something unique, you know. What, what more could they ask for? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> you've recently, well, I don't know if it's recent, but you've moved to Honolulu from the Big Island. Mm-hmm. 
what sort of precipitated that move and uh, are you enjoying it? Um, well, okay. So I actually moved up here because I met my now girlfriend and so she's from here. So I felt like being on the big island, you know, especially in a small town like Hilo, it's small, a small town can only serve you so much, you know? And I felt like I, wa- I really wanted to not be part of a small town mentality anymore. So I met my girlfriend and then she's like, hey, you should move up here. So I'm like, okay. So I moved. It's been great being up here because all of my musician friends are here. So I get to see them pretty much anytime. Yeah, it's just so much more connected and active. I really like it. Well, I love both places. But yeah, Honolulu for me is one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, You also teach. Uh, What do you enjoy about doing that? I love to share knowledge with people, especially, you know, when it comes to ukulele and getting people out of the idea where you only have to strum or you can only play Hawaiian music. I love to show people the possibilities that the ukulele has, that you don't only need to be confined to one genre of music, that you can play basically anything. And it's just a matter of how you approach what you're hearing, you know, in the in the original song and how you're going to adapt it to the ukulele. Yeah, well, you've been proving that recently with your little social media series on great intros to, well, very popular songs. I guess rock songs generally, but just very popular songs. Right, right. That's been a lot of fun. And um, I've actually had a few people ask me, like, you know, do you, do you just know all this stuff and you just record it, you know, all at once? I'm like, well, no, I actually don't know everything. I will sit down and learn it that day and then record the video that night. <laughs> so yeah, so it's, it's, it's a great challenge for me as well, because there are so many songs that I just, you know, really love. And I want to show people that it can be done on the ukulele. Do you do more in-person teaching or is a lot of it via Zoom? Did the pandemic influence that? Um, I actually used to teach in person prior to 2013. And then after that, I just taught online uh, via Skype. And then, you know, during the pandemic when everybody was using uh, Zoom, that's when I switched to Zoom. So yeah, it's it's kind of been a normal thing for me even pre-pandemic. So I love being able to get up out of bed and then just like sit in front of my computer and then not really have to like, you know, it's it's very low pressure, I think, you know, for me and then for my students as well. Do you have many students outside of the US? I have, uh, or I had one in Canada. He's currently on a little break because of work. But um, yeah, I had one in Canada. I've had Switzerland before. I've had uh, Germany, Japan, Guam. Well, actually, Guam's still technically part of the U.S. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I've had you know many students all over the place, and yeah, most of them now reside in the U.S. Well, maybe we'll get you'll get you some more uh, Australian ones after this, hopefully. That sounds good. I love Australian people. Yeah, I've been here, haven't you? I yeah, I've been to uh to Cairns before. Yeah. i yeah, I was was I there? I say I have a terrible memory. I think you might have. I, <laughs> I probably was. There's <laughs> <laughs> probably photos of me, there's some evidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Any uh plans to travel outside the US? For sure. I <laughs> I've been dying to to go back and travel outside of the US. The last time I traveled outside of the U.S. was in October of 2019. I went to Germany and Denmark for about a week. And um, I was supposed to go to Tahiti to play at the ukulele festival there in September of 2020. But then COVID happened and then that got canceled. So I was super bummed. But yeah, I would actually really love to come back to Australia. I'd love to go back to Japan. Yeah. 
I'm like itching, itching to get out there. <laughs> yeah, well, we'd love to have you. Thank you. Well, recently you've been hinting at some exciting uke news coming up. Can you uh, give me a scoop? I can. So um, I'm going to be taking Britney Piva music to the next level. And this is something that I think I, I really want to help, especially other ukulele players with. And I feel like, you know, I've there, there are so many people who did so much for me, you know, in the starts of my career, and I want to be able to do that for them, for someone else. What I have planned for Britney Piva music is going to be like, it's, it's going to make me really happy and really excited because I, I'm not just going to be the only one involved, but I'm going to have many people involved. And it's going to be kind of like a collective, but way more epic. I don't want to reveal too much just yet, but it's, yeah, I'm really, really, really excited. Well, that sounds very intriguing. Yeah. And uh, any thoughts of a new album? Yes. So I'm working on my sixth album, which is very much overdue. <laughs> uh, Ten years overdue. Actually, I think you appeared in Camu Ukulele magazine, uh, and I was just reading the interview we did uh, back then, and it was around ten years ago, and I think we were talking <laughs> about the sixth album then. Yeah, we were talking about it then, and yeah, that never happened. Um, there's a lot of life things that happened <laughs> since since that last album, but now that I'm in a... a pretty much perfect place in my life yeah it's it's time to get the next one out but i'm gonna be producing it myself and recording it right here in my home studio and yeah it's there's so many ideas that i have for it like yeah i'm really excited what will it just be you solo or can we expect other instrumentation um definitely a mixture of both kind of you know going along the lines of my previous albums where i do have you know some solo ukulele stuff or you know at least ukulele and like guitar ukulele and piano something really stripped down like that and i do plan to have some more contemporary stuff so i i think with this album it's really gonna showcase more of my original creativity not just you know like me going to the studio and recording and having someone else you know dictate how it's gonna sound but i'm actually gonna be in charge of everything and so there's, you know, like I said, there's going to be some stripped down songs. There's going to be some that are like pretty obscure and out there. And those are just, you know, the original music ideas that I have. And, you know, there, there's a lot of people I feel like, you know, they always tell me, you know, why, why are you putting so many instruments around the ukulele? And why isn't, why aren't you just playing the ukulele? And I always tell them, you know, these are my original ideas and I'm an artist and this is what I want to do. I want to showcase my art. You know, there's no wrong way to do art. Everybody has their own interpretation. Yeah, so some stuff will probably be out there, but I, I just really hope everyone likes it because, yeah, it's a long time coming. <laughs> well, it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Producing and doing everything yourself. On the one hand, you have the full control and you can put out exactly the art that you envisage. But on the other hand, it's a lot of work. It's, you know, because you're everything to everybody. Right, right. It's... It's a blessing and a curse to be able to do both. <laughs> so, yeah, usually, like, if I finish a song and it sounds good, I I say, okay, it's done. I'm not going to listen to it until it's too late to go back and change anything. So if I keep it on my computer, and, you know, I'll usually just, like, dump it on a hard drive somewhere. And if I keep it on my computer where it's there for me to listen to, then I'll just, like, I'll keep going back to it and changing things. And, like, no, this doesn't sound right And when it sounded just fine yesterday. <laughs> so... 
the endless tinkering begins. <laughs> oh my god, yes, it's it's the worst, yeah. but it's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I I feel you there. Well, getting away from music, then I recently found out that you're quite a rev head, or, or <laughs> what would it be a gearhead in America? They call them rev yes. heads in Australia. Uh huh. So tell tell me about that. Like, well, well, what do you like to do outside of ukulele? Uh, maybe starting with the cars. Okay, so um, I was actually into cars since I want to say two thousand six or two thousand seven, I believe. And I took a break, you know, during those few years that my life kind of went off course. But then recently, um, I just started getting back into cars. So my girlfriend and I have a 2020 Camry XSE. And we're part of a car club here that also has chapters across the the mainland US as well. So yeah, it's it's been so much fun, you know, basically starting with the car, you know, being completely stock and unmodified. And now it's, you know, being built to look really nice. And yeah, it's, it's so much fun to just sit out there and wrench away. <laughs> I, I didn't realize there was such a, a, a huge Camry scene. There was a massive Camry scene. Yeah. And it's not something that you would think, you know, like you would expect like Mustangs or, you know, Dodge Challengers or, you know, something like that, but not Camrys. But yeah, it's it's really nice to just get together with our car club and, you know, talk about what modifications people have and how fast your car is or how low how low can your suspension go can you drop your car all the way to the ground <laughs> yeah it's great that's great fun uh so uh apart from that then what else uh, do you like to get up to when you're not playing music i actually really love fishing yeah fishing is my second most favorite pastime and uh that's something that my dad you know as my when my brother and i were kids he would take us to go fishing all the time and so that's something that i carried with me this you know throughout my life and yeah we just love to go fishing I take my girlfriend fishing all the time and especially when we go back to Hilo to visit like the fishing there is so much better than it is here on Oahu so we have our own you know rod and reel setup that we leave at my grandparents house and every time we go to Hilo we grab our rod and reel and we go straight to the beach to go fishing I had the greatest mahi mahi of my life on the big island oh yes for sure it's my favorite fish do you have a favorite so my favorite fish is actually salmon. <laughs> can't, can't beat the classics. Very true. We don't have those here, unfortunately. But um, I would have to say probably probably ahi or maybe omilu. Is, omilu is like a slightly larger version of a papillo. It kind of looks similar to ahi or, or an ulua, rather. It, yeah, all the fish families get kind of confusing after a while. But <laughs> yeah, I think those those few fish would be my most favorite to eat. I haven't heard heard of that one. Uh, I know ahi's kind of like tuna, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So omilu is similar. Yeah, omilu is kind of similar to that. They both have very similar flavors, and then papio is just a smaller version of an omilu. So, yeah. Interesting. Fantastic. Well, I've just got one final question. Then I've got uh, something you might remember from the magazine. I did this thing called Five Favorites, where I just throw five things at you, and you yes tell me what you uh, think. Which is actually works a lot better, you know, not in print, because can, I can actually get your <laughs> first impressions. <laughs> but uh, my final question then is, uh, what's your advice to young people who are struggling with their identity, both musical and otherwise? Um, I would have to say, first of all, you need to surround yourself with positive people. Um, you don't want to surround yourself with people who are constantly telling you, you need to do better at this. You need to be like this. 
you need you need to do something. You need to do what I tell you to do, not what you want to do. Don't don't surround yourself with people like that. You have to be the one to write your story in life. Otherwise, somebody else is going to write it for you and it's not going to be your story. So when you surround yourself with positive people, you in turn become a positive person. And that's that environment is going to help you to figure out who you are with the motivation and the support of the people around you. And I think being able to have that flexibility to experiment with different things, you know, music, musical or not, being able to do that is what you need to be able to find out who you are. I couldn't agree more. That's a perfect answer, I think. Thank you. All right. Five favorites then. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Sport. Soccer. Drink. Water. <laughs> TV show. Gosh, I don't know. <laughs> Married at first sight. <laughs> Uh, vacation destination. Home. Season. Winter. Fantastic. Well, that is all I need. So, thank you very much for speaking to me. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, that was really fun. We should, uh, catch up more often. Yes, definitely. Anytime. You can keep up with Brittany at brittanypiver.com. Please subscribe to Ukulele Stories on your preferred platform, and maybe give it a rating if you're enjoying the show. Now for some music. Here's Brittany with a new tune called Second Nature. Until next time, I wish you lots of luck and happy strumming.